Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Well, hello, everyone. This is Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was just one of the many valuable insights that Jim Oliver shares in this episode of Life in Accounting. Jim is the incoming chair for TSCPA, the Texas Society of CPAs, and he shares his vision and goals for the upcoming year, as well as a lot of information about his initial career and, and how he got into accounting in the first place. I think you're really going to enjoy this. We delve deeply into him starting a firm entirely from scratch, building up that CPA firm, and then that blossoming into an entirely separate financial planning organization as well. Jim is a, a very humble individual and he'll pick that up very early in the program. Like I said, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It was truly a pleasure to record it. So without further ado, here we go. Well, hello, Jim. Thank you again for taking the time to schedule this. I know you have a lot going on, particularly with busy season approaching. So I, I really appreciate you blocking out the time. Thank you very much. Well, Mark, it's my pleasure. You've done a great job with this. And I, I appreciate even being asked and being able to have this opportunity. It's it's great, great to be able to be here. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you're enjoying them. Well, as you know, I interviewed Kathy Kapka here just recently, and, and so I figured you would be an excellent guest to follow up that interview with, given that you'll be stepping into basically the exact same you know, TSCPA chair position here in just a few months now. Before we get into that, though, obviously you have a, a very interesting backstory. So if you don't mind, let's start with how you got into accounting in the first place so our podcast listeners can get an idea of who Jim Oliver really is. How did you decide to become an accountant? Where did you get started? Well, it goes back to my college days. Actually, everybody expected me to become an engineer. And I spent one summer before my senior year in high school at A&M in an engineering program. And I got some good things out of that. But one of the things is I realized I probably didn't want to be an engineer, but everybody convinced me to to go away to school. And I ended up at Princeton with uh, four other of my high school classmates. And I was in the engineering program. And after about a year and a half, and part of the reason I went into engineering is people told me that the best law schools, you had a better chance of getting in if you were an engineer. So I thought, okay, well, that's what I really want to do. I think I want to go to law school. So after a year and a half in the engineering program, I was trying to shape it to be what I wanted it to be and went to my advisor and said, this is really what I'd like to take. And I'd taken a couple of economics courses and I really, really liked those. 
And he said, well, no, we can't do that. You can't get an engineering degree if you do this, this, and this, which is what I wanted to do at the time. About the same time, I also fell in love. I head over heels for my future wife. And so Tavia and I met about that same time. And I started thinking, you know, I'm not sure I want to be an economist. I'd really rather do something in a business major, pure business major. And that's why I ended up transferring. I looked at the possibility, again, going to law school, looked at, well, if I don't go to law school and I want to get married and go to work right away, what can I? What would be a good opportunity? And back in the mid-70s, accounting was it. It was hot. Everybody was going into accounting and there were jobs to be had if you got an accounting degree. So it was more of, I'm in love, I want to get married, and I want to be able to support my wife, and this is what I'm going to do. So kind of inadvertently fell into accounting and you know did well in school and it was a good choice. I didn't take my finance courses till my senior year. And I realized oh, I like finance even better, but I'm sort of on this accounting degree course. So that's where I'm going right now. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You are going to be the first guest that said they pursued accounting because they fell in love. <laughs> I need to... But not with accounting. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, so you enjoyed the finance classes as well. You mentioned. I did. Yeah. It, it, I really did enjoy finance, but um, no accounting. I'd already, you know, I was already committed, and I was already by the time I took my second finance course, I was already thinking about sitting for the exam, and and uh, it was kind of like, okay, well, accounting is where it's going to be for me. Okay, I'm jumping ahead a little in the story, but obviously, you also had the financial advising company. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know back then that, or did you have the feeling back then that you may pursue financial advising as well, or did that just happen later on? No, that was kind of one of those accidental entrepreneurial situations. I just had clients that kept coming to me looking for other advice beyond the tax. You know, and I have an odd background because I started in a big firm in the audit side, and I did a lot of large engagements, and then I went into industry for a couple of years, and I left there because the circumstances were changing, and didn't really have time to interview for a job. And I thought, well, what can I do? And I decided to start a CPA practice. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to do the kind of engagements I did at the larger firm. It, I was at Pete Marwick back then, KPMG now. Left, I was doing La Quinta Motor Inns, the hospital district here in Bear County, and also, which is now the University Hospital District, and uh, San Antonio Credit Union. Those were my three clients. And I didn't really like audits anyway, so I said, I'm going to be a tax person when I start my practice. So I did that for about 15, 20 years and started getting people asking me other financial questions. And that led to an association with a, a brokerage firm out of Austin and got licensed by them. And worked with them for a while. The broker I was working with changed firms and that changed the way that I could work with them. And it led to me ending up setting up a registered investment advisor firm. And then my clients started saying, well, why don't you just do this directly instead of using the brokerage firm? So that's how I kind of backed into the financial planning wealth management side was, you know, I did just a little bit of sideline and then I realized this is growing beyond my ability to service it and hired a great CFP that came in, Ben Gerwitz, and started running that for me. And, it was, you know, we had a great time and then Ben recently purchased that practice from me. So he's now running it. We still work together on, on mutual clients. But I had an interest in that, would still love to be involved, but a uh, recent transition to new firm has made that a little more difficult to continue that involvement right now. Okay. Now, did I catch this right? You were in audit. So did you have any tax experience when you started your firm? 
the little bit of tax experience I had was doing my own tax return and doing a partner real estate partnership return that I was involved in and being a little bit involved in some S corporation work on some off balance sheet financing that was being done by um, the company I was working with and actually represented them in an IRS exam. So that was about the extent, which is actually how I ended up being active in the chapter because I didn't have that tax knowledge. And I thought, I'm going to be a sole practitioner. Where am I going to get this tax knowledge? I can study on my own. And I thought, well, let's see what's available at the chapter. And back then there was a relations, excuse me, a uh, taxpayer education committee. And I thought, you know, one way to learn taxes is to be able to educate other people about them. And so I got involved in that committee, which was doing a lot of work and with the media and uh, newspapers and trying to get information out to taxpayers about how you do your tax return. So that's actually how I got involved in the, the San Antonio CPA chapter. That's interesting because that's very similar to Kathy Kapka's background. She got involved because she had gotten into a governmental audit role and wanted to learn more about the, the government side. That's very interesting. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So I'm curious, do you have, I know this goes back and I didn't plan to ask you this, but do you have any particular advice or any difficult lessons learned from from starting your practice from scratch like that that you want to pass on? (laughs) Well, you know, I was far more optimistic. It was one of those things you didn't know that you could fail and it was (laughs) was overly optimistic, I think, about the possibilities of what, what could be done. And back when I started, keep in mind that we didn't have desktop computers. We didn't have laptops. You couldn't actually solicit under the state board rules. You couldn't even solicit for clients. So it was a lot tougher than I expected it to be getting going. And especially coming with no tax clients to speak of and really having to rely on friends and referrals. So that was one aspect was, you know, not really understanding what it took to run a practice. And second thing, looking back, and I realized this many years ago, and I got started to get more involved with other CPAs and how they run their practices. But I, I didn't look for a mentor. I didn't look for somebody who could show me how should I do this? How should I be running a practice? How do I hire the right people? How do I gain clients? How do I do client service? So I, you know, I was very independent and I decided I could just learn it myself, doing it myself. And that I would, and I, and I did, I mean, I, it, it worked. I was good and it worked out, but there were times that it was difficult. I mean, there, I can't, it was difficult. The first three or four years, it was it was not easy for us. Hmm, okay. Is, is there anything you can point to? Because I, obviously, you built a successful practice, even though the first you know few years were more difficult. What do you feel led to that? Is there anything you can point to? Any decisions you made, or or an attitude you had about business? You know, anything in, in the advice area that you can point to that led to your success? You know, I, I mean, looking back, I just think, I mean, God took care of us during that time. And, you know, I think there were there were a few key clients we began to add. And once you get a few really good clients, those can lead to referrals of other good clients. I think that's good client selection was a big, big aspect for us. I think one other thing that we began to realize is we really needed to focus a little bit more on who we were and what we do. And, you know, along the way, I was still doing a few audits and, doing some things that I realized that we don't really need to be doing this and got rid of work along the way to focus on what we what really seemed to make the most sense. And that as we did that, while we 
might have a year where we stutter stepped and didn't grow very much, then we would see that we more than caught up the following year because of the, the steps that we had made along the way. I can't say there was anything that I did that I say to somebody, well, this is what you got to do to replicate. I, I wouldn't use me as a very good example for building a practice, at least not on the CPA side. We've got to where we are and it's worked out really well. And I think we've been able to maintain that really well, but I would probably not advise that the way I did things was necessarily the best way to do things. Okay. It sounds like you started like many sole proprietors where you're you're accepting whatever work you can get to pay the bills and then you you narrowed down to a niche. Would that be Yeah, we 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 really began to look more at serving individuals, particularly individuals with money and families and began to add on more of a limited part, family limited partnership and trusts and began to really focus primarily on that area. And, and while we occasionally would do business work and do business advisory work, it was not the thrust of what we were doing. And you know, it's interesting, Mark, because I ended up with two fairly successful practices and I had one early real estate partnership that was very successful, but I, it wasn't, had nothing to do with me. I was just on along for the ride but I've had five or six other ventures that have failed. So I've actually failed more than I've succeeded, which, you know, I look back and think, well, that's, it's good that I, that most of my failures were small. There were a few that were, that hurt really bad, but there were, you know, most of them were small. The successes certainly outweighed the, the failures in the long run. So again, trying to do too many things sometimes can, I think back to we needed to keep focused on what we were doing best. And the wealth management obviously grew out of our working with individuals and families. It just it worked in real well with the tax planning aspect of what we were doing. So that made a lot more sense than some of the other things we tried to pursue at times. Interesting. I had no idea about the other ventures. We're, we're going to have to schedule a part two podcast just for mm-hmm. lessons learned. <laughs> <laughs> From the other ventures. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there anything you, you took away from that experience other than the need to have a niche or a specialty? Anything else you can think of? That- well, the failures taught me that, you know, you can't, it made me skittish about partnerships because a couple of them were partnerships and, oh. and the fact, yeah. So, and so that's why I ended up staying a sole proprietor for so long because a couple of those were partnership deals that that I felt like, okay, I held up my end, but they didn't. And I was always concerned about doing that in a CPA practice, not really realizing that it was it's a more of a problem of vetting. And that was the other issue is we probably, I probably didn't vet the other ventures, the people that I had working primarily in those areas. And we just, it just where they weren't successful because we just didn't really consider what it took to make those businesses successful. And maybe because I couldn't go all in because I was still too involved in the CPA practice at the time. Okay. So the importance of vetting the opportunities. Okay. Vetting and then being completely dedicated to it and being willing to really spend the time it takes, which I don't know that I, and now looking back, I'm not sure these other ventures, one I was, but that one of them was a real estate deal that really went bad and that that was primarily a market conditions issue and the the change in tax law that just killed the deal, which I couldn't help that. Okay. Well, I do, I do want to get to TSCPA, but I guess before we do that, t- tell us a little bit about your role now. You're the partner for the High Net Worth area? Yeah, the High Net Worth Group for Calvetti Ferguson. This is a firm that's in Houston. It's primarily a mid-market business-oriented firm. It does a lot of multinational 
our energy field, real estate. So those are there. It's a little bit different focus than what we've been doing. And actually, the opportunity there, because that means that we can now assist with their high net worth people where and doing some things like you know, one of the first things I was asked to do was work on formation of a nonprofit. Well, we've done a lot of that kind of work because wealthy people like to generally be philanthropic and, and get involved in setting up charities. So so I see that there's that this is a mutual thing. We have some business clients and some we've begun to develop that we really were not in a position to service as well as they will out of the Houston office. And so we see that that's, there's a mutual benefit in doing that. And we hope to grow and just expand this practice because there's a lot of opportunity still here in San Antonio. Yes. Wonderful. Okay. Well, yeah, let's, let's transition to, to TSCPA. You've been in the chair-elect role for a little while now. And is it July 1st that you would take over or June 1st? June 1st. June 1st. June 1st. Okay. So that's coming up here pretty quick. What, what are some of your goals for your coming year as chair? Well, when I sat down, we have doing orientation for our executive board back in December. And I told them one of the things was I, I viewed myself as being a bridge this year between Kathy and Stephen Parker, who will be the chairman the following year. One of those areas in which I could be a bridge is that Kathy's emphasized reaching out to the educational institutions, to students and to the professors. And Stephen, the partner at Price Waterhouse, but he has been doing recruiting at A&M for the last 28 years. So he has a big emphasis as well on the reaching out to students. So I'm going to just continue to facilitate that and do whatever I can. Every time I get an opportunity to speak to students, I want to be just talking about the benefits of being a CPA and the opportunities that are available to us. So that's one of the aspects is that is a strong motivation in the, in the TSCPA. Another area in which I can be begin, this is not so much bridging, but Stephen's going to be one of the first big four partner that we've had as chairman of the TSCPA in 20, 25 years. And so we've been weak in our outreach to the big four. And that's one of the things I would want to start and initiate so that Stephen doesn't have to hit it all cold. But I know he will be, uh, we've talked about that. We've spent a couple hours, I think, talking now about his year and my year and how we can mesh those. And that's an er- another area. And then we have a new new uh, CEO, Jody Ann Ray. And so I want to be there available to her as a sounding board about what I know, the, you know, the 30-year history in the TSCP, actually more than 30 years in TSCPA and seeing what we've done and not done over the years and knowing a lot of the players and being able to be available to her and her transition. She just started full-time January 1, so she's got a lot to do this year. We're going to be going through a strategic plan update and looking forward to that possibly. Some new things, and I don't know if they're really that much that new, but I've talked about expanding the communications we have, at least at the chairman level, maybe doing more social media as well as some things with our chapters and keeping them better informed. And then a couple of issues, well, one primary issue that we haven't really figured out how to address yet, but it's succession planning. And we've got this baby boomer age group that's aging and how many people have a succession plan for what happens to their practice, um, public practitioners. And I've heard some stories of people that, some, some communities that have a number of CPAs, they're sole practitioners, but they're all in their 60s and 70s, and nobody's there to replace them when they either retire or pass away. So that's a concern is how we continue to service the public if there aren't CPAs that are out there in those smaller communities. 
That's interesting. So you're you're looking at TSCPA providing some type of educational role or, or resource role? Yeah, and we actually do have resources on our website, which most people, a lot of people don't aren't aware of regarding succession planning, what needs to be done, what this looks like. I've just asked the staff to think about that and talk to Jody Ann a little bit about it and you know see what if we can come up with anything else we can do because we've got the resources out there. It's just how we how do we make them more aware and is it something we can't really get people to address because the mindset is, okay, I'm just not going to worry about it. And that may be the, may be the issue. I don't know. Okay. I, I certainly started thinking about succession planning a while back, which is probably ended up you know, doing what I did, but not everybody thinks like I do. I, I am sort of the born planner looking ahead 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and not everybody does that. Sure, sure. Yeah, it comes along with your, your financial planning background, or yeah. maybe that's what made you good in that area. <laughs> well, I was going to ask about this later, but since you sort of touched on the subject, obviously we hear frequently about concerns about a shortage of CPAs, at least relative to market demand. What are your thoughts on that situation, but then also what fellow professionals can do to, to make the situation better? What can we do to, to help make the situation better? Well, I, you know, I would say recruit. I mean, you, you, everybody knows people with kids or has kids and you paint a picture of what the profession, the opportunities that's there for people to get into the accounting profession. And some of the states are starting as early as middle school, beginning to get into the schools and talk to students about what it would mean to be an accountant. I know Kimberly Ellison Taylor talked about that she had an accountant come, I think, when she was in elementary school for a career day. And that's what inspired her to become an accountant back that far back. So, again, we all have opportunities to talk about what we do and why it's important and what the values of our profession are and the opportunities that are there. And, we, you know, there's nothing to stop you from telling people that this is a great profession, telling kids this is a great profession. You ought to be considering this. If, if you like to solve problems, if you like to work with people, and you want to be able to make a good living, this is where you ought to be thinking about being. One of the things I, I had an opportunity to speak to some of the students in Midland when I was out there in September for a chapter visit, and I said, look, getting an accounting degree is, is pretty much a guarantee of a job. You don't find many accounting, people with accounting degrees who don't have a job unless they just really don't want to work. But getting your CPA, that's a pretty good guarantee of a career, and, and it can lead you anywhere. And I've got We've got clients who are CPAs that don't do anything in our profession because they've actually gone beyond that. They've gone into being CEOs of companies and being at high level of executives, and they've got that finance background and that, that accounting background, but they've used it to progress much further in business than what most people think of CPAs doing. So that's a great thing. But I tell you where you really want to be is you want to be at the TSCPA in San Antonio chapter because that's where you're going to find the community that's going to be there. Because Today, it's likely that you're going to change jobs on a somewhat more frequent basis than perhaps your parents or your grandparents did. But that community that's out there at the TSCPA and the chapter, it's always going to be there. You can always go back to it. And there's people there that have the, share the same values you do and are looking to do the same thing, and that's serving the public, whether it's in public practice or serving their employers or in government or in education. So... I really think that it's about pushing the fact that this is a profession that is there to help people 
and help build a better community for the rest of those around us. And so I, I think that, again, you can inspire people to, to think about CPAs in a different way, perhaps, than they normally would. Okay. I, I agree with you. I find that people underestimate how far you can go just in business in general with the accounting background and the CPA. You know, here in San Antonio, the CEO for CPS Energy is mm-hmm. Paula. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think she's a, a great success story for that. Well, you'll serve a year as, as chair and then you'll have your, your the following year as the immediate past chair. What would you like to see happen even further than that with TSCPA? Or are there, is there a bigger vision you have, you know, something that may take several years? Where would you like to see TSCPA go? I'd like to see it go where the members think it should be going. But that's back to the strategic plan. So even when you ask me what my goals are, my goals are very much within whatever our strategic plan is, which ultimately goes back to the mission of our organization in the first place, which is to promote the, the high values that we have as well as the, the value of our profession to our external users, to the public. So, you know, again, I think it's about maintaining this legacy of the convictions that we have as an organization. That's our primary goal. It's about, can we continue that legacy? It's not about programs. Leadership is not about programs. It's about, you know, defining and continuing the purpose of the organization. And so programs will come and go, but it's ultimately about how do we best serve that purpose, which is, again, promote the values of our profession within the profession and the value of our profession to those outside of it. Okay. Wonderful. Do you have any other thoughts on working with schools and and that kind of thing on how we can promote the profession? Well, you know, one of the things I've done over the years is tried to get in front of the media and and when I have an opportunity to talk about what we do or just to make people aware that, you know, CPAs are here and we're here to serve. And so I I like that. I mean, being active, you know, I've also had an opportunity to be active in the political process somewhat, meeting with legislators, again, reminding them that we're available as a resource and that while we may have our own agenda, it's generally much of what we come to them to do is to serve as a resource and not to push specific bills and items. We have a few things, but rarely are they controversial that we're promoting. So there's ways in which we can influence society, those around us, as to what makes sense, what's the best thing for us to do. But I mean, the old days we used to do when we had a huge budget, when things were in the golden days, as they say, in the 90s, 80s and 90s of TSCPA, you know, we spent money on public service announcements. We were doing radio and TV programs. We were doing all kinds of things to help promote the profession. Our budget is much more limited now. And it's really much, much more up to the individuals to be able to do that. Okay. Well, thank you. This has been a good discussion. I wrap up every podcast or I I start to close every podcast with the same four questions. And so I want to be fair and ask you those as well, of course. (laughs) The first one and probably the easiest, hopefully, is is what's been your proudest moment or what's a a very memorable moment for you, career-wise or personally? Well, I mean, personally, it's going to be my wife and what she, you know, Tavia and the 40 years we've been married and the kids and grandkids, the girls we've had and are now grandkids, six grandkids. But, but, but again, I, you know, I don't have anything to do with that. So I'm not sure that's something to be proud of. I mean, it's just, 
it happened and it's, you know, God has been, has blessed me with, with that. So I guess I don't think about being proud of things. I've had opportunities and things have come my way. And there's this highlight. I go back and think, you know, that was, you know, and a lot of it's come because of my activity in the TSCPA. I've been in places that I, if, if it wasn't for who I knew or being involved in the TSCPA, I would have not had those opportunities. And I look back and think, wow, that's amazing that I was able to do that. And I really enjoyed that. And, but yeah, there's a lot of those that we could probably do a whole cast of like, okay, what happened that year? Oh, wow. You know, so I, I look back to 1989, which was a kind of a pivotal year. I did a mission trip to Guatemala and it was in the jungles and we were doing a water project. And I did that when Tavia was seven months pregnant and she encouraged me to go. And it was kind of like being, and I remember we got back and Tiananmen Square had happened while we were gone. So there was a big, it was a big event type year. And then our daughter was born in September. And then there was a, a Texas society event that was in California. And I actually flew into Oakland and I had to change planes in Las Vegas or Phoenix. I don't remember which my plane was delayed getting in to Oakland because of Apparently, because there was fog in Los Angeles, so my flight was my connecting flight was late getting in, and I got into Oakland, and I was I got in my rental car, ran, ran to the restroom, and I was getting ready to leave, and suddenly I started feeling really, really strange. I thought, "What is going on? I feel dizzy." And I was looking, and the doors on the the sliding glass doors were going back and forth on the airport, and I realized, "Oh, this is a, they're having an earthquake. Um, <laughs> they have these all the time in California, right?" So. I go out to get in my rent car to, to leave, not knowing that this is the big earthquake, the 1989 World Series earthquake, oh. the one where the, the bridge, the freeway had collapsed. Well, that was the freeway that I was supposed to be on. So if my flight had not been delayed, I'm not sure whether I would have been pancaked with uh, the other people that died in that event or not. But I ended up at a TSCPA and we were having a basically back in the council, council structure. But you know, I look back and think, well, God spared me for a reason that I, he put fog in LA that morning to be able to make sure that I survived that event. But by the time I finally could get to a place where there was a phone that was working, my Tavia was just absolutely, she was beside herself because she didn't know what, what had happened to me because I it would, pre-cell phone days so you couldn't just call and let somebody know what was going on so yeah but i got to experience that because of the tscpa so um oh I love, yeah. wow that's a great story <laughs> yeah well it's one of those wow you know i look back and think wow but and then the chairman for that never showed up and i was the vice chairman so i had to lead a meeting i didn't expect to lead but about half the people weren't there because they had to divert their flights and nobody came to the meeting so Sure. It was an interesting time. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know if we could top that, but (laughs) second question, tell us about a mistake you made and what you learned from it, of course. And and frankly, the more colossal, the better. Boy, there's so many. I thought about this knowing that you're going to ask. I I think some of the, one of the things that I've gotten, I've gotten very, I'm not risk averse, but I'm very debt averse because of mistakes I've made with debt. And one of those was, we decided to build a house right before the real estate collapse and took on debt that probably wouldn't have been a problem except that our house that we owned at the time, we couldn't sell. So we ended up with more debt than we planned to because we had to actually borrow money to finish closing on the house that we were, that we built. 
And that was then followed by getting in or followed about the same time with doing a real estate deal that I got in more debt than I should have. And it took me several years to dig out. So those two combined made like, boy, those were, I mean, I look back and we just really got crunched because of debt we took on that I now am very, very much cognizant of the, the power of debt to, to get you in a difficult situation. And so I tend to be somewhat biased, I guess, when I start talking to people about financial planning and taking on debt. So I've always been much more averse to doing any new debt. So that's probably the biggest mistake in what I've learned from it. Were you self-employed during that time? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was when I, my practice was just beginning to take off and we thought, oh, we can do this. And yeah, it was a few more lean years because of the extra debt payments we were having to make. So. Wow. Well, who's been the biggest mentor so far in your career or the biggest positive influencer? Well, and and if I were to add a second big mistake, probably it was not having a mentor when I started my practice. And so I went years without really somebody bounce ideas off and talk to about, well, this is the problems I'm facing. And so I didn't have a mentor that I really could look back to. I've had a lot of influencers since then in the practice. And we had a practice management group that we would meet at lunch. And uh, probably names familiar to you, Ed Polanski, Fred Timmons, Jim Sakopoulos, Craig Arnold, and Kim Ford. We would meet for lunch and we would talk about our practices and what the good things we were doing, bad things, difficulties we were having. Now, that was until I'd been in practice probably 25 years, 20, 25 years before we started meeting. That was extremely valuable to me from a practice standpoint. TSCPA, I mean, the list is really long of people I've learned from over the years, starting with when I got involved in the chapter and Steve Bankler got me involved in taxpayer education, you know, kept me involved in taxpayer education, pushed me, got me to TSCPA. I look back at people that I worked with over the years and how many of them ended up being chairman of the the society um, locally. Dan Hankey, Pat Wilson's always been helpful. Bob McAdams, working with him, Fred, Ed Polanski, and they've you know they've all been great. But the list outside of San Antonio is even longer than that of people who've been you know available to me and been helpful to me along the way. As as I've learned from them a lot of a lot about running committees, and that's ended up being able to be a great facilitator with my clients and and helping them. You know, but ultimately, I think. A couple of pastors I've had, been, you know, that, that I'm still involved with, former pastors, and then I think probably the biggest mentor in a different sort of way would be Tavia, my wife, because she's the one that I know is always trying to make me a better me, even when I don't want to be a better me. And you know, when she's there and she's giving advice, hey, if I don't want to take it, I ought to be listening to her. So. Hmm. That, that's wonderful. Yes. She's going to have to listen to this episode when it comes out. <laughs> well, what's been the best advice you've ever received? Final question. I can't think of anything that anybody specifically has said to me. There was something I read recently that has really got my attention that I wish I had known 35 years ago. Hmm. Um, and it's a Francis Chan quote. And it's, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. And I realize that there have been times when I pursued things that probably really didn't matter and tried to be successful at those. I've never had a trouble with, I've never really been fearful of failing, 
but I probably have tried to be successful at things like that didn't really make much difference. And that's, you know, looking back, that's like, I wish I had known that advice years ago and would have been more focused in the things that I did. Wow, that's insightful. Thank you. Yes, we can we can spend a lot of time trying to be successful at something that doesn't matter, and then then you look back and it, it's really just wasted time. It makes, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. You're right. Well, to wrap up, I guess the, the easiest question, if somebody wants to follow up with you and find out more about being more involved in TSCPA or TSCPA leadership or perhaps about building a practice and, and your experience there, what's the best way to, to reach you? There are so many ways to get hold of me. I, I go to my LinkedIn because that's a great I love to be in linked with people on LinkedIn. My email is a little tough, Oliver at calvettiferguson.com. If you can remember calvettiferguson.com, it's just Oliver. My cell phone, I don't mind people calling my cell phone or texting me. It's 210-872-8432. But yeah, I would love to get more people involved in TSCPA. Anytime I have an opportunity to recruit somebody to another committee or you know, I like to be able to do that. Um, if you want to talk about the value of being part of the chapter of the Texas Society, I'd love to talk to you about that. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know that, that we're just on the verge of getting into busy season. You certainly had a lot going on. And even though you and I have talked before several times, I, I learned a few new things here as well. So thank you. Thank you very much. You've been very open. Well, thanks, Mark. I appreciate you. You do a great job asking the questions and, and getting things out of people that they probably didn't intend to say. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's, a, that's, what a good, that's what a good interviewer does. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I'm going to take that as a compliment. It's a, it is. It is a definite compliment. So just keep it up. <laughs> well, thanks. And I will talk to you again soon, or I'll see you at the chapter meeting. Great. It's been fun, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, that was my interview with Jim Oliver of the CPA firm Calvetti Ferguson. Jim is also the incoming chair for the statewide organization TSCPA. There are many obvious takeaways from this, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I did recording it. Jim not only met many of the people that ended up being positive influences in his career through his involvement at TSCPA, but he also got the prerequisite knowledge necessary to build up his tax practice in the first place through classes at TSCPA as well as committee involvement with TSCPA. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Life in the County, the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you like the show notes, please visit us at our home website, whereaccountantsgo.com. That's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have many other important and interesting guests teed up for the next few weeks, so I hope you're able to join us again. And like I always say, there's more to come.